0: pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country black buffalo tobacco alternative bold flavor full pouches thank you for traveling with amex platinum to your right you'll see oceanside relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property when booked through amex travel you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m late checkout that's the powerful backing of american express terms apply learn more at americanexpress.com slash with amex Hey, what's up, y'all? T-Bob here, reminded you that you can come hang out with me and Aaron Murray live on AMP Monday through Thursday. AMP is a new live radio app. You just download it from the Apple Store. You can actually call in, text in, chat with us directly during the show. It's a ton of fun. We're at Snaps, right? Snaps, your favorite college football podcast, at Snaps Monday through Thursday, 1 Eastern, noon central on AMP. Download it and come hang out with us today.
2: Hey, what's going on? Aaron Murray here with Snaps. No T-Bob tonight. He's at a birthday party or wedding. I don't know, some, some BS excuse. He just didn't want to watch Week Zero, I think, at the end of the day. J.D. Piquel at On3 is joining me tonight. He watches all the football. Uh, great content. Make sure you go subscribe to him, On3, all their stuff. They do tremendous stuff uh, based out of Nashville, where... There is a game going on right now, a little closer for some SEC fans. The is up 21-14 to 14 at halftime versus Hawaii. Uh, we may touch a little bit about that, but we're going to touch the bigger games, Notre Dame versus Navy. Uh, USC is in the fourth quarter right now, but kind of a little bit scary at the halftime. They seem to have things under control right now. Uh, and then J.D. and I will look ahead to some of our, uh, I would say, top five matchups heading into week one. Just a slight preview as we kind of move on from the appetizer and get ready for the main course next weekend. Uh, JD, man, appreciate you jumping on. Um, I think your first time with us, I know I've been on with you guys before. Happy to have you on the show.
1: Yeah, man, glad to be on this show. Those are uh, those are both literal and metaphorically big shoes to fill with T-Bob out, but I'm glad to be on here, man. <laughs> I'm glad that we woke up, and it was a, a real college football Saturday, not like a spring game Saturday, not like a, oh, we're getting so close, it's media days. It's like, no, they got real ball being played. And uh, excited to talk about it with you, man.
2: Well, you're doing it sober, because usually when T-Bob and I are doing a Saturday <laughs> night show, uh, one, if not both of us, are a little intoxicated. So it's, it's the fans will be getting sober. I don't know if you've ever seen our Saturday night shows before, but T-Bob usually dresses up in some wild-ass costume. Like sometimes he's like an elf or he's Gandalf. He has his big pipe. And uh, so the problem is he goes from an LSU game so he does a LSU post game at a, at a whiskey bar. So he's smoking cigars, drinking whiskey. And then he jumps on this show with me afterwards after drinking and smoking, you know, cigars for two hours. And uh, it's an absolute blast. We have a great time. This is going to be a little bit more, uh, more facts, less craziness, but we're going to have some <laughs> fun too along the way um, and, and, and hopefully entertain you guys. So appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday night, probably going to release this on Sunday morning. So, Hopefully USC doesn't blow their 49-21 lead and J.D. and I look like complete idiots as we yeah. talk good about uh, the Trojans and most mm-hmm. likely their offense. But we'll start with a game, J.D., that that has concluded Notre Dame versus Navy earlier today and all eyes were on the pretty boy, Sam Hartman, and, and, and what this offense was going to look like regardless of the opponent. It's still week one. And, and, and you and I both know this, like offenses take a little bit longer to, to get going than defenses and to me watching it, it looked like they're in midseason form, regardless of the opponent, them going out there and doing it in a week zero matchup. I was like, damn, like that, that's pretty promising.
1: And it was, if, if you had never seen Sam Hartman play at Wake Forest and you just told somebody, Hey, this Notre Dame's quarterback, like, Oh, two-year starter for them. He's been in the system for a while. And he goes out and he's just like the epitome of efficient. He was 82% completion percentage. And Aaron, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. To me, it looked like he was super in rhythm with his receivers, like yep. making the ad lib throw to Jaden Greathouse, um, hitting Thomas in, in the back of the end zone where he comes out of his break, like stuff like that. Where where you kind of think, okay, you you've repped that quite a bit. There's some chemistry there to where you're not just rolling the ball out there during fall camp and figuring each other out. So. If that's the base for Notre Dame going forward, if they're going to build Mm. upon that and they can be multiple, I mean, Audrey Estime, it's a grown man getting downhill. They can have the downhill run and then also be multiple in the pass game. There's going to be a lot of games now that Notre Dame is able to win. They weren't able to win last year just because of how dynamic they'll be. So I'm I'm excited, man. It's Navy. It's week zero. So we're not going to overreact. But like looks pretty good so far. Returns are pretty good so far in Sam Hartman.
2: Well, and and I, so I had the opportunity to cover Sam last year for a game and, and he's a really good quarterback. So was there going to be some, some possible hiccups on the way of, of a transition to a brand new offense, especially when it's the slow mesh to now what they're running in Notre Dame? Yeah, there, there could be, it was, it was near perfect. And and I'll go to the offensive line first. The offensive line was great, man. They run the ball effectively. And if you're able to run the ball and that was another big question, like Logan Diggs moves on to LSU you know what's this running back situation going to look like and they got some 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 grown ass men there running the football kind of that running back by committee four or five deep right now but they're able to do that and run with with that kind of effectiveness and in in Sam Hartman was essentially able to show a comfort level in the offense because he had time and the one thing I do worry about when you do face a better football team or a defense what are those habits? It's easy to take a three-step drop or a five-step drop when you know you're not going to get hit, when you don't you know you don't got to move in the pocket when you're having to react while also learning something new fundamentally. That's when those old habits or 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 the, the fact that you haven't taken a lot of reps in that offense can kind of peek its nasty head out. So um not saying they are, not saying they are because I do think Sam Sam Hartman's a good enough quarterback to play in any offense out there. I think the offensive line is going to continue to be one of a dominant force. Uh, hopefully, the running backs continue to do what they do. Like the the talent at the receiving position. But I will say this: when you talk about the the timing, and it felt like they just rolled the ball out there. Uh, I tweeted about this earlier. Some of those like oaky routes, which which is timing, man. It takes time to be able to trust, man. When I hit my third step, I can just throw it out there. Uh, essentially, pick a spot on the sideline at twelve yards in depth, and just trust my my receiver is going to be there. And he was hitting those, the five-yard outs, the speed outs, and he wasn't thinking, man. He was throwing it before the guys were breaking. It's acting like those guys have been working together for two, three, four years. So to me, that just shows how good of a quarterback is. He's able to elevate the play of the guys around him, the leadership, the quality of football quarterback he is. So uh, I love that. Um, was impressed by the defense, obviously. you know, it, It's good and bad having to go against triple option good because you get camp to prepare for it so you should be ready to go bad in the sense jd the fact that you did waste so much time preparing for this offense when you're not going to get the seat the rest of the year
1: the curious thing to me going into this game was is notre dame going to be able to be disciplined enough for four quarters to be able to commit to like just to be real like just the the boring offense that the triple option is and i'm a triple option guy i was a triple option quarterback in high school like if you're playing against the option it is freaking annoying if you're an edge defender to have to, you know, sit in the middle. Are you going to crash? You're going to make them pull it. And so credit to Notre Dame, especially early on. Like there was a couple plays in that first quarter, Aaron, where you're like, oh boy, yeah. some of that, some of that tape came to life. It's not the scout team running this anymore. Now Navy's kind of getting downhill and creating some, you know, some explosive runs. It looked like, and they were able to kind of hold their water, figure it out, and adjust, like Marcus Freeman talked about. So I, I was impressed that it was like. Hey, this is what we got to do this week. It just it takes what it takes in week zero to get a win in Ireland. So we found a way to get it done, and I think you kind of probably felt this too. Like at the end of the day, it felt like Notre Dame, as long as they didn't have some wild schematic error, was just going to be so athletically superior. No disrespect to Navy, but like they just they got more Jimmy's and Joes than what Navy was going to bring, and in the triple option offense, like. You're trying to take advantage of angles and things like that, and at a certain degree, when you're playing Notre Dame, like those angles just just aren't quite there. Like they might be against the team like yep. Air Force or Army. So I mean, all in all, pass the test, on to the next, and uh, you know, a win's a win. No such thing as a bad win.
2: Uh, and and now all of a sudden, people are saying, okay, do they have a shot versus USC? Do they have a shot versus Ohio State? You know, we, we'll get into this USC matchup um, right after this, but before we put Notre Dame to bed and, and move on watching them today because there's always the question of does notre dame have the, the the talent to compete for a national championship brian kelly who i think is a top five coach in america got them there got them to the playoffs got them to a natty in 2012 but wasn't able to finish the finish it because of that there is a talent gap watching them today and knowing that sam Hartman's the a quarterback probably the best quarterback they've had in, in, in quite some time is he good enough to close that gap, to make them competitive versus Ohio State, versus USC, and make them a legitimate playoff contender when it's all said and done,
1: I believe he is. My, my big question is: is that receiver room when you roll the ball out there against a team like a Georgia? Like when you, when you go one on one with the with the corner at Georgia, you got you know Kamari Laster on the other side of you. Like I, I need you to be able to win a percentage of those one on ones, not not all of them, but right yeah. now with Notre Dame. I think the the question mark is still too big for me. I like what they have on the offensive line. I mean, Joe Wall is going to be probably, what, top 10 pick maybe in next year's draft. Like, they got a lot of guys up front that can do some good things, and you got a quarterback that can can close the gap for you, like you mentioned. But I worry about those guys on the outside when you get in the ring with a beast like a Georgia, like a Michigan, like an Ohio State.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I just love Sam Sam Hartman. So we'll see. All they got to do is win one of them, man. They go 11-1. I think they're in the playoffs at the end of the day, regardless of the fact that they're not going to be in a conference championship game because it is a pretty damn good schedule. All right, let's move the USC and Santa, San Jose State. A little bit of a scary first half, but the good thing for for USC fans, you have the next coming of Reggie Bush, and he can get paid, <laughs> so he can actually keep his damn Heisman once he does win a Heisman at some point. Uh, the freshman stud receiver, uh, Zachariah Branch, uh, Catching the ball, kickoff return for a touchdown—just another weapon for this offense. And let's before we get to the negativity of the defense and bashing it or not bashing it, well, whatever we want to say, this offense is elite. This is going to be an offense that can score with anyone in the country. Uh, Caleb Williams making miraculous plays look easy, left and right. Fourth down doesn't matter. Just the, the his ability to hit his his back step and rip seam routes over and over again. This this game, uh, it's effortless. He's I don't know what you believe out of him, but I've told T Bob this. I think he's the best quarterback we've seen in the past decade. Um, just an yeah. absolute stud, the ultimate confidence, and, and you throw the receivers around him and that talent. Uh, was there any concern as you watched this offense tonight in their first their first go?
1: You know, not so much as an X and O standpoint. I mean, like you said, there I mean, the snap is going past Caleb Williams. He's picking it up and throwing it 76 yards and it's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So, like, life is good when it when it comes down to the Jimmys and the Joes. Uh, Aaron, my concern watching the USC offense when things didn't go their way, I couldn't help but notice the Caleb Williams body language. Yeah. Saw a lot of palms up, saw a lot of like rolling of the eyes. And I get it's week zero at San Jose State; they shouldn't even be on the field with you if you're talking about what Vegas says. But I was like, "Hey man, like it's it's 14:21 right now. Like I, I need you to kind of set the tempo mm-hmm. here for us because I mean San Jose State. It's not it's not going to get a whole lot." easier than where we're at right now so uh that was a little bit of an eyebrow raiser to me it's week zero i mean he's a competitor he wants to fire on all cylinders at all times he's he has enormously high standards for himself but that was kind of a thing i'm like hmm if we got notre dame on this out of the field and it's the fourth quarter i don't want my quarterback saying hey what are you doing to his tight end or whatever else is going on there so i don't pretend to have inside information there or what's going on yeah. in caleb Williams head didn't like the way that looked there and i wasn't a fan of that personally
2: no no i wasn't either and and i remember one play was it was a sack i think it was at the end of halftime he gets sacked right by by the three-yard line he kind of rolls off the field kind of like what the what the f is going on you're like you know i know you know this offense better than anyone else on that team you've been in it for three years there is a level of expectation that i want guys to do something and there are new faces i mean you do have a a freshman receiver playing a lot you have a top transfer receiver coming from arizona they're going to have hiccups because it's their first game. There's going to be some miscommunications. Like you have to kind of roll with it and understand that. Hey, man, I got to go. You know, wait to the sideline and then go talk with that guy to make sure that him and I are kind of seeing eye to eye. I agree with that. I think the, the one thing that jumped off to me, I felt like at, at times in the first half, the offensive line was was not as good as they were last year. And it's still the mm-hmm. first year, but a couple of times you saw miscommunication where San Jose State has a guy, a defensive tackle, it doesn't get touched. Center goes one direction, D-tackle's running, and all of a sudden Caleb's having to obviously beat Caleb, which he's great at doing, but I, I don't want to put him in a situation versus Oregon or Washington or, or or Notre Dame where you're getting a bunch of, uh-oh, watch out blocks, and he's going to have to go be, be, you know Caleb week in and week out, which he can do that, but they got to get a little bit more secure up front. I think they got the town up there. First game, you're still working out some of the communication with the offensive line. Some but overall from top to bottom, you got mm-hmm. the quarterback, you have elite receivers. Once again, branch is an absolute stud. That 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 freshman's only gonna get more and more confidence as the season goes along. So um, offense ain't the question. It's it's looks like it's still the defense, man. Alex Grinch, you got all these guys coming in. Uh, and at times you saw like, Okay, wow, I saw some some better tackling. Oh, I saw some improvement. And then you saw some massive plays given up as well um, to a team that you are significantly superior than when it comes to talent. Did they get better? Is it just week one? Are we we already overreacting? Or is this same old, same old?
1: I think to a degree, the talent is so much better than it was a year ago based on who they got through the portal. Like Bear Bear Alexander was just abusing some of those guys in the offensive line mm-hmm. for San Jose State, like just noticeably knocking them back two, three yards, whether he got back there or not for a sack. Uh, but when it comes to the talent right now, I think it is going to take a second for it to mesh and for us to get on the same page. And there's an element of this too, where like USC's defense is kind of an easy punchline for people on Twitter, right? Like it's easy to say, oh, USC's defense, this, that, and you kind of dismiss it. Like Chevin Cordero was balling. Like, like yeah. dudes is a six year player now. I mean, has played a lot of games and, and he, he was dealing. So I think there's, there's also an element of like, yeah, USC's probably figured it out, caught their stride in the second half, knock on wood. Uh, but that, I mean, that's a good quarterback they're playing against. I mean, it's not Bo Nix and it's not Cam rising, but I mean, that's, that's a good quarterback they're playing against. That's tough to draw in week one or week zero rather. Yeah.
2: yeah I, I covered I, in my previous job with with CBS, I had the opportunity to actually cover San Jose State a bunch because we had a, a, a big relationship with, with covering the Mountain West. And it was just so funny. I mean, the last time I covered them, Nick Nash was the starting quarterback. You know, he was kind of battling back and forth, and he was the athletic quarterback. He was the one that was obviously the better runner. And then now watching him tonight, I mean, literally the last time I saw Nick Nash, two, I think it's two years ago, maybe three, he was a quarterback. And then tonight he's making that one-handed juggling catch. Going you know, game. he's going – um, you know, what two touchdowns, three touchdowns. Now they just scored another touchdown. It's, it's currently 56 to 28. She, Shevin Cordero's 20, 33, three touchdowns, 178. They have another 154 yards on the ground as well. So I agree with you, Jay, like the, the, the town is better. So now it goes to Alex Grinch. Like yes. you've improved the talent through the portal, through recruiting. So then what's, what's, what's now the problem? Well, then it's Alex Grinch. I mean, he, his ass is on the chopping block. So um, I don't know if you make a, a a move at some point during the season. I also don't know right now if if it is just a, hey man, we are talented, but we're still kind of working out the communications of what this defense is going to look like. Um, you got some time, man. Like you look at their schedule the next four or five weeks: Nevada, Stanford, Arizona State at Colorado. You know, we'll see what Colorado looks like offensively. But you know, that's 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 going to be interesting. Arizona, I mean, to me, you don't face a for sure fire home run offense until October 14th, when you play Notre Dame,
1: I mean, it's like that, that they got out.
2: time to make yeah. some improvements. Like, I don't think they're going to be stressed and worried about losing the next five weeks. So you're hoping that the defense can figure it out by then. Um, but if they do keep pro- performing the way they do tonight, say they're the same thing, come Arizona and they're giving up 28 points to Arizona, what does that change your mentality of what this team will be in the Pac 12 and and as they get ready for Notre Dame?
1: And I think also to your point, like with the first half of that schedule kind of being the ramp up, like it has to be a ramp up and not just, oh, we're gonna play this team that we're better than and we'll beat them by however many and we'll walk in, it'll be great. Like it's in charge of you know the guys that are leaders in that locker room to say, okay, the back half of the schedule, I know if y'all checked, gauntlet. We got Notre Dame, mm-hmm. we got Oregon, we got Utah. Like, like we better be ready to roll here for this last five, six game stretch. Because if we're not, if we don't take this first half seriously as a, as a true like progress period for us, we will not accomplish our goals. And so for USC, I mean, just like you said, when it comes to the talent, it's no longer a matter of do we have the guys. You're saying, okay, Alex Grinch, are we doing the things in practice? Are we doing the things schematically to be set up for success? They missed over 150 tackles last year, Aaron, and you know, like you're just not doing the right things from getting a lined up standpoint. Or you're not doing the right things from a tackling and practice standpoint. Like that doesn't just happen because you don't have the guys. So I think, like you said, Alex Grinch, like that heat's turning up a little bit more in LA right now.
2: No, it's, 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 it's getting around. And a lot of it wasn't, I mean, there was mixed tackles tonight and, and you can kind of chalk that up to first game too, but there are some just wide open receivers, man, some explosive plays and, 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 give san jose state credit for those who don't watch san jose state or watch the mountain west like like you said man that's that's the, the quarterback heading in was i think preseason player of the year for that conference like that is a good team with a good quarterback uh, a quarterback that knows that offense so let's not just you know say that they're playing a bunch of scrubs either so let's let's i'll give them a couple weeks man but i'm I'm, pa- I'm I'm panicking just a little bit just yeah. a little bit if i'm a if i'm a usc fan the clock uh, like here. you said that back schedule notre dame utah Washington, Oregon, and UCLA, five of their last six games of the season. They better figure out on the defense side of the football. JLab has something for everyone with earbuds and headphones that are as versatile as you are, perfect for calls, listening to podcasts, and working out. They are built for every single moment. JLab is proud to partner with powerhouse college athletics, UCLA, Duke, gonzaga indiana st john's tcu vanderbilt arkansas minnesota san diego state and more from lively tailgates to coaches play calling and courtside rivalries to college athletics nil deals Labs joins the action and connects with 182 million plus college sports fans nationwide they're excited to partner with 17 d1 college schools showcasing their passion and loyalty of fans and athletes across the United States. Whether creating cutting-edge tech products or pursuing athletic greatness, being the best takes hard work and commitment. JLab is proud to partner with schools who are showcasing the hard work, perseverance, and even the championship celebrations across all college sports. Use code SNAPS25 for 25% off your order. Visit jlab.com to find your kind of tech. Warning, this product contains nicotine,
0: made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
2: A little bit of a teaser, a little bit of an appetizer. We got some football; it was great. Uh, just get that that palate wet and uh, get ready for Thursday night to uh, yeah. to Monday night football. So JD and I are going to kind of break down our top five games that we're looking forward to most this weekend. And I would say probably the, the the top headline JD is is the the Sunday night game, which I thought you did a great job with your analogy the other day with with talking about Mason Smith. And I, I watched, I was like, man, it's that, 100% correct the, the way you broke it down. So for those who haven't seen it, make sure you go watch uh, JD's breakdown of uh, how it just is fucking stupid, what the NSA is doing essentially. Um, but a little drama added to the game with with, with star the tackle, Mason Smith, not playing in it. Uh, what does that change your mentality as, as, as we head into this massive, massive uh, Sunday night football game?
1: I think it's more so like a loss of what he could have been in that game. I mean, six foot six, three fifteen. Like he could have been at his best, maybe a game wrecker. Maybe he puts Ellis, or excuse me, puts Florida State into like you know more third and sevens or maybe more behind the sticks that kind of thing. Uh, but I mean, they'll still be solid in that in that defensive line. Like Makai Wingo is going to be a guy for them. Yep. I believe Jacobian and Guillory is going to step up behind him. But I mean, my, my real question is if this becomes a situation where you know Florida State can score some points. Can Jane Daniels and company can they answer? Like, I mean, we uh, saw last year they just kind of figured out what they wanted to do in the first half. In the second half, it was like, okay, now we'll kind of we'll kind of do our thing. And it was it was in this game last year where they messed around for the first two quarters and took it all the way down to the end of regulation and really should have been playing for overtime. Um, obviously, a very different team LSU fans feel from that game to this coming season and what they learned the second half of last year. But I mean, a, a lot of eyeballs on Jane Daniels and, and a lot of eyeballs on how much they can uh improve that offense from a vertical standpoint and uh, I'm excited to see it man I think that's the question cuz Jordan Travis and company I mean Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson like I mean they're just playing above the rim out there so I think Jaheim they're going to score Bell,
2: some points
1: Jaheem Kyle Warlock, like 6 foot yeah. 9 they're they're like the monsters out there dude
2: the, the 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 thing that worries me like I look at FSU and, and you kind of look from top to bottom on both sides of the football you're like all right you got the quarterback you got the running back you got the receivers the tight end offensive lines back the defense is back like there really isn't like this glaring, like, man, like this is where we can really expose FSU. Like there's certain positions that obviously aren't, aren't as good, but like, there isn't like this massive, like, Oh God, we're in trouble because of this, where I think you do look at LSU a little bit. And, and, and and I think they got talent at DB. Like there's not like there's a bunch of walk on guys that, that have never played sec football before that, you know, their eyes are going to be huge come that first game. And they're going to look like a deer in a headlight. Like, they got dudes some experience, maybe not as talented as what LSU's had in the past at the defensive back position, but it is a weakness. And, and like you just brought up and I kind of like up all the guys you're going against a quarterback who was red hot. The finish last season, a a, a good offensive line. That's going to give him time, a tight end and Jaheen bell that can move around and create matchups that you're going to have to communicate with. And then three or four deep, really talented lengthy receivers that can stretch the ball vertically down the field. It's like, I am now worried if you can't put consistent pressure on Jordan Travis, who's also athletic, so you can't just rush the hell out of him, can those guys in the back end hold up? Um, I think it's going to be a shootout, man. This is going to be fireworks because I do think Jaden and that offense with, with Malik and, 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 and a really talented offensive line. I mean, that, that offensive line you're hearing nothing but great things about how they've performed in fall camp, uh, good stable of running backs, um, Taylor at tight end. Like they're gonna get theirs. like they're gonna score points and, and and I had the opportunity to cover LSU in the spring game and seeing Jaden's progression as a passer it's it's like night and day from where he was last year even at the end of the season to where he is now heading into the season so they're gonna score I think FSU is gonna score it's it, it's gonna come down to who has the ball last and and cliche as it is who protects the ball what 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 crazy turnover can swing the game late in the game is going to be the big difference but I I just think it's going to be hilarious. Like I, I would love to watch, I might do this at some point, watch last year's game for how yeah. ugly and sloppy it was right before and then watch that one. And it's going to be night and day because it is going to look so professional and good to the best teams in America uh, when it's all said and done. Um, are you leaning anyway way uh, the other right now? Too early in the week, still need some more time.
1: Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll pick it on our show to like kind of lock it in, man. I'm, I'm leaning LSU a little bit right now. Like, yeah. like the team speed that they have, Brian Kelly's going to have them ready to play. And my big question for Florida state, like you said, it feels as though there's no glaring weakness across that roster. My big question is how have the, how have they handled the last couple of months with everyone saying they're a playoff team. They're mm-hmm. maybe a team that's going to win the ACC. And like, this is a team that, yeah, they've got a lot, of, a lot of guys that are experienced and a lot of leaders in that locker room, but they've never had this kind of buzz in the Mike Norvell era around a Florida State yeah. team. Like last year, we were talking about is Mike Norvell going to make it to Halloween? And now we're yeah. like, are they a college football playoff team? And so when that spotlight gets a little bit hotter, you know, do you, you know, kind of put the blinders on and use that as motivation and find a way to lock in? Or is it like, all right, we've arrived, baby. Let's go roll the ball out here Monday in or-, or Sunday in Orlando. You know, we're just going to walk out there and play because, uh, LSU, this is personal for them for sure. I mean, you heard Mason Taylor in some off season interview talk about like, you yeah, know, we got to get back what's ours. This, this, this didn't go the way it was supposed to last year. Yeah. So they're, uh, they're going to come out swinging. So I'm leaning LSU right now. You got a feel on this one,
2: man. I was leaning LSU and I, 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 now I'm kind of freaking out. I'm not going to lie. The more I kind of study <laughs> FSU. I'm like, damn, that's a good football team, man. I've been talking FSU up all off season. like, you know, my team in the ACC, uh, and then now not having Mason, I'm just like, oh, man, I just – not Mason. And and once again, like just hearing all the uh, negativity towards the DBs a little bit for LSU just spooks me a little bit. But I do trust Brian Kelly. Like I said a little bit earlier when we were talking about Notre Dame, Like I think Brian Kelly is a premier co- co- coach in college football. And, and now year two at LSU with that talent, it's hard for me not to believe that this team is just not going to be – focus fundamentally more, more sound than they were at the beginning of last season and, and ready to go kick some ass and, and get some revenge on Florida State as well. So a little bit towards LSU, but, man, this is going to be – um it's crazy, man. Like this game can just com- almost determine part of the playoff already because it's playoff. thought of Florida State having to go undefeated the rest of the season and then obviously same thing with LSU – this is a make or break game for both these teams, man, because that that margin of error is so razor thin when you got to play Clemson probably multiple times. You got to play Alabama and the entire SEC West and then Georgia and SEC Championship. Like, eesh. this is an important game for both teams. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Thursday night game, Florida versus Utah. My big worry in this one, because I love Utah, great defense, physical team. Um, is two things. One, you lose Dalton Kincaid, who is your Superman tight end, and I don't believe Cam Rising can play. Like I've come back from a torn ACL. Like if he can come back and play at a high level in seven months, like man, good for you. But like that kid is a hell of a player. <laughs> if he can play, I don't know how effective he can be, like his full self. And then first off, I don't even think he can play seven months coming off the ACL. I don't. Know, I know surgeries have improved. And, you know, these guys are, you know, they bounce back like nothing, but that's, that would be, that's a lot to ask for a guy who, who got surgery, what, in, in, in January.
1: And what happens if Florida starts scoring points? Like, yeah. I mean, you have a backup quarterback in there for Utah, potentially, you got Graham Roots, who's played like a million some odd games and has got two of the best backs quietly in the yeah. country right behind him. Like, let's say Florida gets up, I don't know, 10-0 in the second quarter and that defense from Florida is improved and they do have more depth and all those things we've heard are true about Austin Armstrong. Like then Utah's kind of messing around, trying to find a way to get points on the board. And then Florida's just holding the ball for longer drives. So uh, it feels like on paper, Utah, this team that's coming off back to back pack 12 titles, and they've got so many guys back and Kyle Whittingham, this guy, but like, Aaron, I'm, I'm kind of thinking the same way as you. If, if there is no Cam rising, Mm-mm. that drastically changes the way that I look at Utah and what they have around him, because he is what makes this whole system go with his arm, yes, but also with his legs, which either way, mm-hmm. if he plays, probably isn't an asset for them in this game.
2: No. No, I think that's a key factor right there. So if, mm-hmm. if, if, if Cam was healthy, if there was no surgery, no tear, like I would say, okay, yeah, Utah is the better football team. From top to bottom, Utah is the better football team but there is just such a massive drop from cam rising to, to, to what they have behind them where I'm like, I don't have faith that they could win this game, even at home, even though that they're probably, if you want to compare position by position, I would kind of lean Utah more in yeah. a lot of the positions yeah. that I would Florida. Um, this is a big game for grand Mertz though, man, like going on the road, first game in a new uniform, it's going to be hostile as hell, man. It's a hell of an environment there at Utah uh, and a lot of, a lot of expectations, honestly, because you said it like Florida knows like we have a run game. We have two great running backs. You told knows, Hey, this team's going to want to run the football. We go back and watch last year's tape. Um, I know they had Anthony Richardson, at quarterback, but this was a run first offense. Offense line performed well. The running backs performed well. And, and obviously Anthony Richardson performed well too. They're going to load the box. They'd be stupid yeah. not to. We got home field advantage. The, the, the stadium's going to be shaking. We have a quarterback who doesn't perform well against top defenses and, and, and good receivers, maybe not great receivers, good receivers. Like yeah. the ball is going to be in his hand, man. Like Merch, you're going to be asked to win that football game. You're going to get a lot of eight man boxes and it's going to be one-on-one. You better be accurate. as You better take advantage of it.
1: And how much has been talked about with him when, when he was the guy that transferred to Florida, like that feeling around, you know, the Gator fan base was kind of like a, Oh, really? Like, you know, there, there was all these guys that were, you know, there was at that point in time, Grayson McCall is in the portal and yeah. uh, Devin Leary's in the portal. And I don't know if they had committed at that point in time, but you're kind of thinking as a Florida fan, like Graham Hertz, the guy that wasn't, wasn't necessarily lining up at Wisconsin. That's our guy. And so I'm, I'm super fascinated by what this fresh start could mean for him. Cause I mean, he was highly recruited at a high school. We saw yeah. him do it at times for Wisconsin. Like the dude can spin the rock. I wonder if his receivers are going to be able to separate when they do load the box. Is a, is a Eugene Wilson, that true freshman they're excited about? Does he get loose a couple times? Does Does Ricky Pearsall win one on one? And when they give him those open shots, does Graham Mertz take advantage? Because like you said, if if that comes out to a wash where Utah just kind of throws the kitchen sink and says we are going to make you beat us, Graham Mertz, uh, how sweet would that be for him on the road? in salt lake city against the back-to-back pac 12 title champs mm. and uh to just be able to kind of walk off and say that's
2: why i'm your guy yeah that's why i'm your guy That'd be i think awesome. they got it man i'm, I'm leaning towards Ford in this game because of the quarterback situation uh for utah i just i'll be honest like i i and i know there's gonna be fans like oh you just you just you're you just don't like florida because you No, no. <laughs> I'm i'm trying to talk good here in the sense of like this is still a rebuilding year like I have never been through an off season in my entire life where I feel like we've talked less about Florida than we have this year. And I think that's a good thing. Like let Billy Napier do his thing. Just let him. Vegas has him. Yeah. Cooking man. Just let him keep, keep cooking. He'll be fine. Just this. Don't, don't think this team should be a eight win team. If they somehow find a way to do it, then you better be celebrating, maybe throwing a damn parade, but like just get through another year. Let him keep building Florida. You'll be finding it plenty of talent. So, yep. uh, that's gonna be a great game. Great game. Great game on Thursday night. Um, let's move to the the battle of Carolina, UNC versus USC, uh, two, two really good quarterbacks, duking it out. Drake may Spencer Rattler. Um, any pulse on this one for you of, of kind of how you feel it going down?
1: Dude, I love Drake may like Drake may. One of the the best quarterbacks in the country, obviously, like, I mean, the best quarterback not named Caleb Williams in NFL draft circles. Uh, My issue, Drake May doesn't play defense for North Carolina. And South Carolina, I mean, they got to bring it a little bit as well in the trenches and be able to do something against the run. But with the way that they ended last year and the things that are being said about Spencer Rattler behind closed doors right now, which is just talking, you know, it doesn't mean anything just yet. There's some confidence for me that if South Carolina gets rolling, I wonder about who Drake May is going to throw the football to. Because at the time I was recording this, nothing with Taz Walker and Josh Downs did a lot for them last year. So I love Drake May. But when you put the entirety of this game on his back, I look at South Carolina and I see Juice Wells. I see Spencer Rattler. I I see a defense that's got some things to prove. So I I love Shane Beamer. I'm leaning South Carolina right now on this one, Aaron.
2: You you have literally my notes. Um, My notes (laughs) says Drake May, all the weight of the world on his shoulders. Yeah, because it is, man. Like you don't have because there's always going to be the comparison of of him and Caleb, and and you look at the numbers last year, and they're actually eerily similar, which is which is crazy. And you look at USC right now, and and yeah, USC doesn't have a defense. You can say the same about UNC, but at least they have receivers and talent and playmakers at USC Southern Cal, not not South Carolina, as I talked yeah. about this one. <laughs> and and Drake doesn't have that this year, and maybe someone emerges, so maybe there's someone. That And I always talk about with quarterbacks and and, and kind of what I talked about earlier with um, uh, Sam Hartman. Like guys of that caliber make average receivers good. They make good receivers great because guess what? They can put the ball on time in rhythm for a spot to make that guy catch it in stride. And then all of a sudden you give a good receiver ball a foot in front of the numbers where he can go. He's going to make a big explosive play. And then that guy starts to build confidence. And that just kind of builds throughout the season, but this is still week one, though. That confidence needs to be built with this young, inexperienced offensive line, or excuse me, receiving core, and and once again, a defense that just frankly is probably not going to be great again this year for UNC. So I'm with you, man. I'm leaning a little bit towards USC. I like their I like their skill. I'm interested in what that that tight end looks like, the the five star freak athlete, uh, how they get him involved. Yeah. Um, should be a fun one though, man. I hope Drake balls out. I do because I I, I kind of feel bad for the kid because he doesn't have all the talent in the world. I was kind of hoping he'd like, go to Alabama this offseason. season. Um, and he and could have.
1: He pro- probably could have. I would imagine. I'm like, sure everybody was blowing him up and saying, "Hey, come play here." And he's mm-hmm. like, "Want to be at UNC?" So there's there's some mm-hmm. there's some loyalty cred there for sure. But yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, good for Tough. him. But I still would have loved to see what Drake would have looked like with a bunch of five star receivers around him. How good he could have been. Florida. Uh, that's that game. Thank you, and I both lean a little bit towards USC. Uh, yeah. The one everyone's going to be watching, which we probably not would not have been watching if it wasn't for a major coaching move, uh, Colorado versus TCU. Time to see if all the uh, roster moves from Deion Sanders actually works, um, and and they can create any sort of noise against the team, uh, the defending, uh, I guess, number two team in the country, losing the Georgia Bulldogs last year. Uh, TCU loses the quarterback, their offensive coordinator. They bring in. Um, Kendall Bryles from Arkansas, uh, going to be some new faces. I think TCU takes a step back a little bit this year. I mean, TCU is still a good team. Don't get me wrong. Like, and you look at TCU over the past 15 years, like they've been really damn good. So they've, they hit the portal extremely well. Um, they got some good receivers. They got some good running backs. Like it'll be a good team. I just don't think that you can expect them to, to, to kind of hit those numbers that they did last year. Um, man, I hope Colorado kind of wins one of those first two though i I just really do because i'm I don't know how you feel man but i'm a, I'm a fan of what Dion's doing there at Colorado
1: at the very least it is just fascinating, right Like everybody kind of has an opinion on it and there's no like nobody's really in the middle on pro Dion or not so pro Dion but to say that anybody has a gauge for what he's gonna be with just overhauling in a completely new roster. Like they're just they're lying to you. Like we we have never seen anything like this mm-hmm. in college football because it's never been possible, and now it is with the portal. And Dion says we got to get better. We we're at 111 last year. Okay, let me bring my Louis luggage and let's get after it here. But yeah, if they do steal one of these early two, uh, that's gonna that's gonna pour some fuel on the on the coach prime hype train. Uh, however, I cannot get out of my mind Chandler Morris and what he did in relief. I believe it was of Max Duggan in 20 I guess it was 2020 where Baylor came to town and Baylor's you know thinking college football playoff and they're on the march for a big 12 title and Chandler Morris was like the reincarnation of Johnny Manziel that day so he, he may not be Max Duggan and Quentin Johnston may not be running around out there but yeah. I think they're still in really good hands with him at quarterback and I wonder how long we talk about you know transfer guys and all that meshing like a lot of pieces at Colorado that are going to have to get working here pretty quick, fast, in a hurry. Uh, so for week one, I'm leaning TCU there right now, Aaron.
2: Yeah, I definitely lean TCU too. I'm interested in Travis Hunter, how much he can play both sides of the ball, because I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on him to be that go to guy of, hey, you got to lock down the top DB or top receiver on defense, and then you got to flip it over and be our playmaker on offense. And then mm-hmm. you can do that when you're playing. You know, an HBCU where you're the number one player in, in in the conference, and there's no no there's a massive gap. Now you're in the Power Five, and and the dude you're going against, yeah, you may be better, but that gap is shrunken. Can you go both ways at a high level? Your first game, when the adrenaline's running high, you're probably going to be juiced out of your mind in pregame warmups. You're going to be wearing yourself out a little bit early because there are a lot of expectations for him and Dion and 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 Sherrod, Like, are they ready to? you know, handle the spotlight. And, but I, I do want to see like, how much are you truly going to put the pressure on Travis to go both ways, to be that superstar that we think he could be where, and we haven't seen someone play at that kind of level on both sides in, in, in quite some time. Um, just fascinated by Colorado. I'm with you, man. Does this experiment work? Cause we've seen it in, in smaller ways at different universities, you know, Riley did a little bit at USC last year on offense. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen Lane Kiffin do it at Ole Miss, where he brings in a lot of guys to the portal and kind of reidentifies what the team looks like. But like, there's little like parts of the team, not the entire football team. Essentially, like this is like you said, brand brand new territory uh, could be the wave of the new future for teams that are one and eleven the previous year. Uh, la- last game, which I think is actually gonna be pretty damn good, uh, battle in the ACC, Clemson versus. Duke I I am I get crushed by Clemson fans just crushed I am (laughs) not sold on Clemson this year to be honest uh I'm not sold on Clemson I'm not sold on Alabama and somehow uh everyone in college game day thinks that Alabama's gonna win national championship so uh I don't know they get paid a lot more money than I do so maybe they know some some stuff that I don't but uh these are two teams of mine like two megas that I'm just can't buy in for two reasons JD quarterback and receivers and I think in today's game, you need that to win a championship. And I think both have questions at both key positions on offense.
1: Yeah. And I mean, to your point with Cade Klubnick, he's kind of a name that based on what he did in the ACC title game and what it was at a high school, like there's a lot of excitement around for for good reason. But I think to your point, we need to maybe dial back the the Cade Klubnick buzz and not in a negative way. It's just like, hey, we yeah. have... Two sample sizes on him. We have the yeah. ACC title game where, again, North Carolina, I don't think they believe in defense. And also no. in in the Orange Bowl, he had a lot on his plate and that's a big spot, but he it, it wasn't necessarily like lighting it up in that game. And so I think if he goes out and looks pedestrian and they beat Duke by seven points, like, it's OK. Like, let, let's let the kid kind of get his seat yeah. legs a little bit and figure it out. in a brand new offense, enormously talented. Uh, but the buzz around him, I think, is maybe just a, a little bit unfair. And, and to the, your point, the receiver room—I'm very curious how Garrett Riley schemes some guys open for them because they didn't have that guy that was just, mm-hmm. you know, Mike Williams or a Sammy Watkins or like that—that alpha wide receiver that we've seen Clemson have in the past. Adam Randall's a guy that I know they're excited to get back. He's been clocked like four four. He's like six foot—I believe he's six foot two, six foot three, two twenty. like he's he's rocked up. So if he can get back to what they hope he can be he could be a guy for them to go with antonio williams but overall that tempo the motions kind of that uh, i mean really what they did at tcu last year with creating explosives right. i'm curious if that doesn't maybe make up for some of the things they don't have or haven't seen yet uh, across that receiver room
2: well i think it's less excitement i think there is an excitement for club nick heading into year two since like okay he got all the wraps you know there wasn't you know he wasn't sitting behind dju kind of waiting his turn so and, and there should be that natural progression from year one to year two. I think it's more of everyone just the, the narrative of, you know, if, if uh, Riley runs your offense and you, you know, one of them, they're going to be great and, and the quarterback's going to put up stupid numbers. So, I, I mean, it is an impressive track number. And you kind of sit back and say, like, damn, when is the last time that he did have a quarterback that didn't put up stupid numbers? And they have a lot of talent at a lot of positions. I, I just still need to see it because what I saw from Kate last year, um, was just a young quarterback. I'm not saying he's good or bad. I'm just saying that he was green. Yeah. And and I need to see him take that next step before I crown him as a all-ACC quarterback. I need the receivers to take massive strides in that right direction. I mean, you literally had an offense last year that relied on Will Shipley running over four or five guys every single play for that offense to move up and down the field. So, you know, they'll be great on defense. Um, and I do think the offense will be better – Will it be good enough to win a um, an ACC championship? I, I think it, it it should be. I mean, it should be right there with Florida State. Like, they're going to be one of the two favorite teams. Is it good enough to win a national championship? I don't think so. Uh, I just don't think so. But um, they're going to have a good test, man. Duke's a good football team. They return their quarterback. Mike Elko is a hell of a defensive mind. You saw those numbers from two years ago, giving up like 39 points per game, or three years. Two years ago, it was 38. Then all of a sudden, last year was 22 points per game. Like, that's a hell of a jump when it comes yeah. to defense production. They lose their top two tacklers, but return everyone else. Like this is a team where, yeah, you're more talented than them, but they got a great coach. They they're playing with with a lot of confidence after what happened last year. And once again, I think possibly the better of the two quarterbacks heading into yeah. this game. I, could they could they make it a a single score game? You think? Hundred percent,
1: hundred percent. I mean, I think if you're Davo Sweeney. Like, you're going into this game, and if you win the game by one point, like, everybody's going to say, wow, Clemson really struggled on the road against Duke, you know, what are they going to be? And it's like, man, new quarterback, new offense. If you win by one, great. You win by 41, awesome. But, like, you get out of Duke, you get out of Durham, North Carolina, with the win, any way you get it, like, that is that is a good thing. I don't think there's such thing as a thing as a bad win here for Clemson. Uh, I mean, it's on a Monday. It's on the road. And like you mentioned, like Riley Leonard, we talk about you know Drake May and Caleb Williams. Riley Leonard, right now at least, is that name that gets mentioned right after both those cats. So yeah. if he decides to just show up and like just kind of be that guy that day, what happens in that game? So I'm I'm curious to watch that one. Uh, but no, it it is not going to be a thing where Clemson I don't think runs away and wins by twenty or thirty. If they do, maybe they pull away late. But I think it's I think it's a thing where this is going to be a dogfight. And uh, just a horrible spot if you're Clemson. Like it's a week, weekday game. Weekday games are always weird. You're, you're mm. on the road. It's not one of those neutral site Monday games. So I'm fired up for this one. This is going to be a good one.
2: I think it's, I think for people on the outside, I think it's it, for those who aren't educated of what Duke did last year and what they're returning. I think it's kind of like a no win situation for Clemson essentially, because yeah. if you do win close, the national perspective is like, Oh my God, Clemson won a close game to Duke. And if you blow them out, people are going to be like, yeah, we expected that. So, um, I, for, for you and I who do know how good Duke is, I do think if Clemson does put it on him a little bit, um, and if they produce on offense and can create some explosive plays, I start to feel better about what is it that week four matchup where they do host FSU uh, there in Death Valley of like, okay, man, that, that's going to be a hell of a ball game. So man, I'm just happy football is here. Week zero, the appetizer. I got my belly nice and primed, a little soup, a little, little Caesar salad. Uh, and the next week we start to get into some of those main courses. Well, I think some great ball games, like you and I said, I mean, maybe two or three games that are already going to shape what the playoff is going to look like in about four months, which is crazy. We're already getting that to start the season off. JD, man, I appreciate you. Once again, I love everything you guys do at On3. Love what you do with them. Uh, make sure you go follow him on all of his social medias. He does a great job. And I'm sure you're going to kick some ass this fall as well. And once again, man, thanks for jumping on with me on uh on a late Saturday night after week zero.
1: Heck yeah, man. do not want to be anywhere else. Football's back. Let's have a great year, baby. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. Pick up, pick up. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms
1: apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.